chapter 2. Hold your place in Acts chapter 2 and then turn to Genesis chapter number 11. Are you ready for today? Oh, today's going to be phenomenal. I'm going to preach a a message today that's going to be like a little bit of a series we're going to do today uh, and this morning. We're going to do tonight during first Sunday and then also next Sunday we're going to do a series called Tongues. Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues. We're going to talk a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to get too much into it because there's no way in the three messages I could cover uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we have discovery classes, so if you're interested in learning more, our discovery classes, specifically Discovery 3, We talk six weeks about the person of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. So, but today I want to start, and we're going to focus during this series, particularly on this. We're going to focus in on speaking in tongues. And I understand that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, generally speaking, uh, in tongues. There's just a lot of confusion about it. People have questions. And I really think that the confusion and the questions come from two different places. The confusion, first of all, comes from Pentecostals who act weird, get on TV and, and manipulate scriptures and, and take offerings based on verses of the Bible that God never intended them to take offerings from as far as amounts and, and tell you that if you give $1,000, God will protect your family. How many of you know you don't need to give $1,000 for God to protect your family? I, 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 just, I just get so uh, angry when I see that kind of stuff because how many of you know that just gives all Pentecostals a bad name? There's a guy still on TV today that was exposed for having a hidden earpiece in his ear and telling people he was having prophetic words and what was happening is they were getting information from the people before they ever entered the building and then he had a hidden earpiece and so he was saying, well, God's speaking to me and saying this and he's a big phony, he's a big fraud, he's been found out to be a fraud but yet somehow he's still on TV, I don't know how. And so when people see that, And when they hear about it, they think to themselves, well, spirit-filled people are just weird. And so they want nothing to do with it. And and so they just completely shy away from it. And the other thing that is bringing confusion is there are those in the body of Christ who are manipulating scriptures and and taking, and we're going to look at these because they take two or three scriptures completely out of context. They build whole doctrines around those two to three portions of scripture, and we're going to read those next week. And they say, well, well, this has happened, and this is why we don't believe, and this is why it's wrong. And, And they build all these doctrines And people get confused, and so instead of investigating it, instead of really looking at what the Word of God says, they just think, well, I won't won't have anything to do with it. I I just won't touch it. And so pastors, churches are not preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit because pastors are confused. They don't even know what they believe. 
And so they think it's just easier not to mention it because it might bring confusion. But how many of you know that just because there are some Baptists out there that belong to a church called Westboro Baptist Church and they picket the, the, the funerals of soldiers and they act all crazy and all weird. How many of you know all Baptists aren't like that? And just because there's a few weird Pentecostals who manipulate scriptures to get bigger offerings or put hearing uh, devices in their ears to try to think that, that they've heard from God and they're weird and they're charlatans and they're crooks and they're thieves. How many of you know all Pentecostals aren't like that either? So, so we can't just throw out the baby with the bathwater. We have to really look at what the word of God says and we have to declare, okay, this is what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. After all, you can't just ignore it because it's all over the New Testament. So you can't just pretend that it's not there. You can't just say, well, I'm going to avoid the whole book of Acts because it's all over the whole book of Acts and it's all over Ephesians and it's all over Romans. It's all over, all over. And so you either have to just, you know, turn a blind eye to it or you just have to go to a place where they never mention it or I think what we should be doing is finding out what the Word of God really says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in specific this morning and tonight and next week, speaking in tongues. How many of you would like to know what does the Bible really say about speaking in tongues? So that's what we're going to get into. So this is what is going to happen. We're going to talk this week. I'm just going to lay a foundation and and we're going to talk specifically this morning about why God would choose speaking in tongues. And then tonight we're going to look at instances in the Bible where people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then next week we're going to look at two, two main arguments against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, against speaking in tongues, and we're going to refute them according to the scripture. So today we're laying a foundation. Now I just have to make this crystal clear. We are not seeking a sign, we're not seeking an experience, we're not seeking a gift only, we're seeking a person whose name is the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? So, so just like you're not elevating the healing above the healer, we're not elevating speaking in tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit above the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I have to make that crystal clear, but, but we are going to talk about speaking in tongues today, and we're going to find out why did God choose that anyway. There are some that might think that, would it just been easier if God chose a different method? What if there was some other way? There was some other sign. There was something else that people could point to to say that this person is baptized in the Holy Spirit. After all, tongues is so confusing. It's so odd. It's so weird. I'm here to tell you today, I love my prayer language. I love it. I pray in my heavenly prayer language. I speak in tongues every day of my life. Not a day goes by where I don't pray in the Holy Ghost. Not one day. I'll pray in the car. I'll pray in the the bedroom. I'll pray in the kitchen. Uh, I'll pray with Cynthia next to me in the car. She'll say, what did you just say? I said, nothing. I'm just praying. I'm just praying. And and she'll go, oh, okay. Because that's just what we do. I'll pray in the Holy Spirit all the time. 
And so I believe that's an option. I believe that's available to everyone. I believe that the Bible teaches us that all of us can pray in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. In Mark chapter 16, verse number 17, and we'll just look at it. You don't need to turn to it, but here's what it says. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Four things. Number one, they'll cast out demons. Number two, they'll speak in new tongues. Number three, they'll have divine protection. Because listen to that phrase. They will take up serpents and... If they think anything, drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. That's one particular thought because it's connected with the word and. Just like the last thing, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover is one thought. So there's four things. Number one, they begin to cast out demons. Number two, they speak in new tongues. Number three, they have divine protection over their life. Now, some people have taken that to believe that you can literally take up serpents. And in the foothills of Kentucky, I guess they still do this. They grab snakes, rattlesnakes, and they pass them around. And if I ever went into one of those churches, I'd be like that old boy who walked into one of those churches. They started passing out snakes, and he looked at the person next to him and said, where's the back door? And the man said, we don't have one. So he looked at him and said, well, where do you want one? Because I'm about to create my own, you know, just go right through the wall. That would be me. I don't do snakes. I told y'all I don't do snakes. I don't do cockroaches. I don't do mice. I don't do spiders. I don't do hamsters. I don't do cats. I don't do any of those things. I don't like any of them. And so it's not that you take up snakes on purpose or drink anything deadly. Notice they're not passing out poison. You know what I'm saying? It's that if those things happen to you, God protects you and God watches over your life. But listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. These signs will follow. That means that it is available to everyone. Everyone who wants it, it is available to them. Now, maybe not everybody wants to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, but I do. Amen? Now, maybe not everyone wants to cast out demons, but I do. Maybe not everyone wants divine protection, but I do. Amen? Maybe not everyone wants to speak in new tongues, but guess what? I do. Absolutely I do. If it's available, if God says you can have it, if God says here it is, it's a gift, then guess what? I want it. It says here, these signs will follow. My dad grew up in those foothills of Kentucky off a farm in in Louisville. And when I was young, I remember we went from a couple different churches. He was a staunch Baptist. We went, first of all, I remember Militana Baptist Church, which is on 6th Avenue, just, just over on 10th Avenue between, actually it's on, on 10th and Kirk, somewhere right around there. There's a church called Militana Baptist Church. That's the first church I remember going to in my lifetime. 
Then we moved over to Victory Baptist, which is on Forest Hill and Military. We went over to Victory Baptist for years, and I remember uh, watching my brother get baptized at, at Victory Baptist Church in between the two buildings there. They had a little baptismal tank. So my dad just grew up Baptist. He was Baptist all his life. He drove a Sunday school bus. I mean, he was just staunch Baptist. And then we moved over into Boynton Beach off Crest Haven when I was about eight years old. My mom and I had gone a few times to Good Shepherd United Methodist Church. My dad really didn't want to go to that church because they, every now and then somebody would lift their hands. And he just thought, what in the world are they doing lifting their hands? I mean, how odd that somebody would lift their hands during a song service. So he really didn't want anything to do with Good Shepherd. Well, then... When we went over to Crest Haven, I mean to, to, to Le Chalet Boulevard and, and Boynton Beach, we attended a church called Trinity Assembly of God. It was just down the road. We just thought we'd give it a try. Didn't know anything about it. My mom and I went on a Wednesday night. I walked into the back room. They had this program back then called Royal Rangers. And they started talking about hunting, not hunting, but <laughs> hunting. They started talking about camping and and knife sharpening and tying knots and I was hooked I was just hooked and I came back on a Wednesday night and I said to my mom this is the church we're going to be going to from here on out I don't know if you liked it but I like it and here's where we're going I was eight years old but my dad stayed home remember now he thought lifting your hands in church was weird so he decided he was going to visit. We talked him into it, said, Dad, you got to try out this new church. You'll love it. <laughs> You'll love it, Dad. They got this program called Royal Rangers. You'll love it. I didn't know anything about what happened in, in the actual sanctuary. Well, his first visit, I, I don't know, I was back in kids' church, but her, his first visit on a Sunday morning, he, I came back from kids church and my mom said let's go I said where's dad he said he's out in the parking lot I said what do you mean he's out in the parking lot he said he he left with three songs in he was gone done so I went out there and I was like well what happened he heard somebody speaking in tongues and so we walk out to the parking lot my dad is out in the parking lot of trinity assembly of god And he says this, I will never step foot in that church again as long as I live. Never again. He heard somebody speaking in tongues and he said, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, I've ever experienced. I will never, ever step foot in in a church like that again. Well, somehow, some way, somebody talked him into going to a men's meeting because they had food. Now, my dad ate like he was going to war. You understand? And so he heard they had food, and he decided he was going to go to a Monday night men's meeting. And he walked into Hawkins Hall. (laughs) I could just cry thinking about it. And I remember Pastor Peters, who actually, Pastor is going to be with us in just a few weeks on Palm Sunday. Pastor Peters will tell this story. I wasn't there, but Pastor will tell the story about my dad at the altar at this men's meeting on his knees with his hands lifted up, tears streaming down his face, 
praying in a language he had never, ever experienced before, speaking in tongues for the very first time when he had said he would never step foot in that church again. Hallelujah. You say, how does that happen? Not only did he step foot in that church again, he became a deacon of that church again. He attended that church for almost 30 years of his life. Small group leader. He was, he was in leadership all, all of his life in that church. And I remember he used to pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues all the time. How does that happen? You see? You can't just ignore it. You can't just say it's not there. It's all throughout the Bible. But why did God choose tongues? Why was it not some other experience? Why was it not something that maybe was not so controversial or a little more palatable to some people? Listen, God chose tongues for a reason. Let me give you just just a couple reasons. There's more to it than this, but just a couple reasons this morning to lay the foundation. James chapter 3, and and you don't have to turn to it. We'll just put it on the screen. James chapter 3, verse number 4. The Bible compares the tongue to the rudder of a ship. Here's what it says. It says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. That the person who controls the rudder of the ship controls the entire boat. That even though it is a tiny thing, it actually can control the whole body. It says the tongue is just a tiny member, but it controls the entire body. Your tongue controls your body. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's talking to you right now. Your tongue controls your whole body. It says later on in the chapter, it says this, that no man, listen to me, no man, no man, no human can control the tongue. God chose tongues for a reason because no man can tame it. No man can control it. It controls the course of your life. And so that when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and you have to yield, but when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, he controls your tongue, and your tongue tongue controls the direction and the course of your life. Amen? That's why tongues is important. That's why God chose it. Because your tongue controls the course of your life. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Listen to that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Can you get any more emphatic than that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue controls the course of your life. And when you yield control of your body, specifically your tongue, to the Holy Spirit, guess what? It directs the course of your life. Hallelujah. That's why God chose it. That's why he didn't choose your foot to shake. (laughs) Come on now. He could have. He could have just caused your foot to shake and say, oh, they got it now. Look at that foot. That's shaking. Huh? Huh? Your hands could have just, you could have just had jazz hands. How many of you know you could have just had jazz hands? You could have just had jazz hands and your jazz hands is just shaking. You could have just had that and somebody would just see you shaking. Woo, they got it now. Look, they're shaking. Their, their hands are shaking. <laughs> no, that's not what he did. Why? Because your foot doesn't control the course of your life. Your hands don't control the course of your life. Your tongue controls the course of your life. 
And God says nobody can tame it on this earth. But guess what? Somebody can. It's not a man. Come on now. It's not, it's not flesh and blood. No, they can't control it. But the Holy Spirit can. He can come down and he can tame your tongue. He can control the course of your life. Amen? Genesis chapter number 11. You're wondering when I was going to get to it. Genesis chapter number 11 tells an incredible story of what is known as the Tower of Babel. In verse number 1 of Genesis number 11, it says this, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Do you hear that now? One language, one speech. In other words, they had one tongue. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. They dwelt there. Then they said to one another in their one language, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. This was their desire, this was their motive, to make a name for themselves. But the Lord came down, verse 5, to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, the name is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. They had one tongue, one language, and God said, nothing will be impossible to them. Nothing will be withheld from them. Their desire was to reach the heavens to make a name for themselves. And because they had one language, they were able to do it. Why? Communication. They were just communicating. They had the ability to communicate on a horizontal level without any borders or boundaries. Acts chapter 2. Let's flip over there if you're already there. Acts chapter 2. Keep in mind what, what we just read in Genesis chapter number 11. In Acts 1, Jesus said, listen, verse 8, of course, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said this, do not leave Jerusalem. He told them, you stay here. You had told them previously, do not leave Jerusalem because you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, is, is the culmination of all of what he had promised them. In verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It says they were in one accord in one place, but they were not in one language. I'm not saying they all didn't speak the one language. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't specifically say they were all in complete agreement, one language, one direction. They were just in one accord in one place. And so Acts chapter 2, what happens is the day of Pentecost come, God pours out the Holy Spirit, a sound, not a wind, a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. All of a sudden, this thing that looks like fire set upon each of them. But what happens? They begin to speak in other tongues. They were all in one accord in one place, but God then united them, how? With one language. Acts chapter 2 is the reversal of Genesis chapter number 11. Do you hear me now? In Genesis chapter number 11, they were all in one accord in one place, but they were all in one language. They were all moving in the same direction, and God confused their language and scattered them. And so they could no longer do what they had purposed in their heart to do. They no longer could communicate with the person that was with them on a horizontal level. In Acts chapter 2, here they are gathered in one place. They're in one accord, but they don't have the same language. They don't have the same direction. There were still questions lingering in their heart and mind. What what are we doing here? What's the next step? What's the next direction? Jesus is gone. And even though they were praying, they were believing, they had faith, but they didn't know what the next step was going to be. All they knew is God said, Jesus said, don't leave this place. Don't leave Jerusalem. They didn't know the, the next step of their life, the next next year of their life, next five years of their life. They didn't have purpose. They didn't have direction. But all of a sudden, God poured out the Holy Spirit. And what happened in Genesis chapter number 11, where he scattered them, where he confused them, the exact opposite happens in Acts chapter 2. He brings them together. He gives them focus. He gives them direction. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter number 11, they were reaching into the heavens. And when God confused their language, they were no longer able to reach into the heavens. They had a motive in Genesis chapter number 11, and that motive was to make a name for themselves. And when God confused their language, they no longer had the ability to make a name for themselves. In Acts chapter 2, The Holy Spirit is poured out. And it's the exact opposite of what happened in Genesis chapter number 11. No longer are they confused. No longer are they without purpose. No longer are they wondering what the next step is. The next thing you know, they go out into the streets 
And in one sermon, 3,000 men get saved. Now, why? Because they're filled with purpose. They're filled with direction. They're filled with knowing what is the next step of my life. This is what God has said. This is what he's called us to do. Now I have purpose. Now I know. Now I have direction for my life. Why? Because God poured out the Holy Spirit upon them. They were all speaking the same language. Hallelujah. See, here's what happens when I pray in tongues. And this is why God chose tongues. When I pray in tongues, I reach into the heavens. Did you hear me now? When I pray in tongues, I reach into the heavens, not with an impure motive to make a name for myself, but with the purest motives of the Holy Spirit, not to because it's all about me, because it's all about Him. In fact, the Bible teaches when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you cannot pray with a wrong motive. You pray with pure motives when you pray in the Holy Spirit. That's why I believe in praying in your new prayer language. That's why I believe in speaking in tongues, because you are communicating directly with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. That's why it's so important. That's why God chose tongues. That's why he didn't choose your foot. That's why he didn't choose your hand. That's why he didn't choose any other part of your body. He chose your tongue because it's with the tongue that we communicate. Hallelujah. Who would say it's not important? Who would say it's not necessary? Is it necessary in marriage to communicate? Huh? Is it necessary to, to have a, 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 on, a, on a horizontal level with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your friends? Is it necessary to communicate? Oh, absolutely. I've been in the car with somebody who didn't speak my language. It's not easy. I went an hour in a car with somebody who had no idea what I was saying. And I had no idea what they were saying. Guess what? We didn't talk. Guess what? We didn't communicate. Oh, we made some gestures. You know, I'm trying out sign language. Guess what? There was no clear direction. I was in, I was up, I mean, I, it was just like, you know, in, in Vietnam. I, I had no idea what this guy was saying. He could have been taking me anywhere. He could have been taking me to get killed. I have no idea where he was taking me. There was no direction. There was confusion. I was just praying we show up at a church that I'm supposed to be preaching at this morning. I couldn't speak his language. I couldn't communicate with him. You know? And so that's what people are like. If, if you just totally deny that the, the existence of this, if you just say, no, 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 I, I'll never do it, guess what? You're missing out on something that God says is so valuable for your life. I'm not saying you miss heaven. I'm not saying you're not saved. I don't teach those things. I don't believe those things in any way. I'm just saying this is important. This is God saying, I choose this method. I choose this way. I choose tongues for a reason. Because it directs the course of your life. Because it opens up a dialogue between you and the Holy Spirit. Because when I come into a, a place where I don't know what to do, and guess what, I have those moments in my life. I'll just pray in the Holy Spirit. When I was getting ready to be a youth pastor... In preparing for those days, I, I had a guy who was teaching me and mentoring me, and, and we'd sit behind a desk in his office, and we would begin to discuss 
a planning event, planning something. What do we do about this? And he'd say, listen, let's just stop right here. Let's just pray in the Holy Spirit for a little while. And he would just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. He would just begin to speak in tongues. And I just began to speak in tongues. And he would just pray in the Holy Spirit for a while. And I didn't know when he was going to stop. And I just thought, well, I'll join him. You know, I'll just join him. And so we began to pray. And the longer I began to pray, the more I went, okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden, he would just stop. And he'd say, I believe the Holy Spirit just gave me some direction. And he would begin all of a sudden to say, this is what we're to do. This is the direction we're supposed to go in. Hallelujah. This is why it's so important for our life. This is why God chose tongues. Because tongues directs the course of our life and tongues directs the level on which we communicate. Listen, in Genesis chapter number 11, if nothing was impossible to them because they were able to communicate on a horizontal level, how many of you know that nothing is impossible with us when we're able to communicate with the Holy Spirit on a vertical level. Amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment this morning. Tonight we're going to be looking at instances in the book of Acts where people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then listen, don't miss next week because next week we're going to look at particular places in the Word of God where people have taken scriptures completely out of context. We're going to go into 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, and we're going to look at particular places in the scripture that they try to say that, well, this about tongues or this about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to clearly look at what the Word of God says. Because Listen, I can't tell you what the seven bowls and seven candlesticks are in Revelation. I've studied it out. I could probably maybe read it and have it jog some of my memory. But on this particular doctrine, I could tell you exactly what what I believe and why I believe it. And I could turn to every scripture and I could show you this is what the Word of God says. Don't be misled. Don't think that it's something it's not. Because here's what the Bible says. So we're going to stay very close to the Word of God. But as I said earlier, listen, we're not seeking an experience. We're seeking the person who gives us this incredible experience. We're not after the baptism only. We're after the person who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and some walls have been built up in your life because you've watched some of the foolishness, you've experienced not not just on TV, not just some of the fluff that's out there, but maybe even in a church service, you've experienced just something negative, something that just rubbed you wrong, something that just kind of put up some red flags and and, and people that manipulated or twisted or, or did things they shouldn't have done. If you've got walls built up because of that, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Have an open heart. Once again, dig into the Scriptures. Don't just take my word for it. Look at what the Bible says over these next few sermons. And let's see for ourselves 
And let's get ready to tear some walls down so that we can communicate with the Holy Spirit on a more intimate level than we ever have before. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each and every person that you brought into this place. We thank you for the word of God.